Today we're going to start a new series, and the series is titled Living the Dream. You know, it's it's an expression that I use a lot because it, it it's kind of a reminder for me to be grateful and to be thankful for the many different aspects of my life that, uh, you know, are just wonderful. I have no complaints, really, but... Uh, we're going to take a look at what it means to live the dream or live the life that God has always intended for us to live. Now, everybody wants to live a good life, right? I mean, that's that's just kind of human nature. We all want to grow up and, and continue to mature and to continue to acquire, you know, this thing called the good life. If we didn't aspire to that, wouldn't things be quite boring and mundane if we never really aspired to do that type of thing? You know, today we're going to look at what it means to be living that dream God's way. Now, we all like to measure the quality of our life. We all like to take an assessment of how we're doing and how we're living the dream. And, and, and we do that through the stuff that we can accumulate. You know, the, the things that are in our garages and in storage and, you know, the toys that we amass and we get to play with. I mean, sometimes we use those things as a measurement of how our life is going, you know, whether or not we're living the good life. Other times it's, it's just through wealth. Like you see in the background there, you know, the more money, the better. You know, that's one of the ways that people, you know, assess whether or not they're living the dream. Other times people look and say, well, what about respect? What about, you know, the way people view me? You know, what about admiration, you know, for the things that I'm doing in my life or the things that I'm accomplishing in my life? You know, sometimes people use those types of feelings and assessments as a way to determine whether or not they're living a good life. You know, or status. You know, we compare our status in life and in respect to certain situations. We might, re we might compare our status to the status of someone else. We're, we're judging other people as a way to tell ourselves, you know, hey, I'm living a good life here. Well, what about things like, in words like benevolence? How does that play into the mix? How does something like that, you know, change the way that I view the way my life is going? What about things like compassion, self-sacrifice, you know, hard work? Are all of these things part of living the dream too? But, you know, Another thing that we look at when it comes to living the dream and making an assessment of our life is our health. Sometimes our health is the one thing that gets in the way of us feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm doing very well. And rightfully so, because, you know, if you can have all kinds of things, you can have the admiration, you can have the toys and the money, and, and you can have, you know, people respect you know, you for what you're doing and who you are and all, but without your health, it's hard to live the dream, isn't it? And then there's other things. There's addictions and failures and, 
and bankruptcies and just the mistakes that we make in life. You know, those things have an effect too. What about when people deceive us? What about when we're lied to? Or what about things on a broader scale like oppression or racism that, you know, we're, we're dealing with tons and tons of racism in our world today and the effects of that on people's lives. Changes in culture. And sometimes we just want to live in a bubble. You know, here I am in Rosebush, Michigan, a small town. Life is good. I'm just going to stay right here and just ignore the rest of it. There's lots of different approaches to living the dream, so to speak. We're living the life that God has, has called us to live and has promised us that we can have. Uh, we just have to get over ourselves some. In doing some of the research for this um, series, I found out and discovered that most Americans, most Americans do not feel like they have a very fulfilling life. In fact, the number is about 30% of Americans will tell you that, yes, I live a very, you know, great life. I'm living a dream. I'm fulfilled. I have the things that I want, blah, blah, blah. And the rest of us, 70%, are somewhere in the middle. Well, it seems odd. I mean, it's because we're just getting busier. You know, today we have tremendous advancements in the world. We have some of the, the greatest technology that has ever existed on the planet. Some of the things that we can do in the, in the medical world alone are just unfathomable, just tremendous advancements. And then there's all the social opportunities and the social aspect of life. You know, there's so many things that are at our fingertips today. And, and food, my goodness, we have plenty of food. Now, not, not that it's evenly distributed amongst, I mean, there's always people who, you know, are exceptions in it. But for the most part, the life that we live here in this country, we have all of these things. Whether it's food, social opportunities, medical advancements at our fingertips. It is, without a doubt, the highest standard of living that has ever existed. So, so if we... If we have all of these things, and we have all of these things working against us, some of them, and for us, are people really? You know, these street interviews um, were randomly done on the street. I can tell you they didn't just go and search out people um, that, you know, were dissatisfied to make a point. The statistics held true here. It was about 70% of the people that were interviewed felt a disconnect or they were just dissatisfied with the way life was going for them. And, you know, sometimes life is good and sometimes life is bad, but obviously for a lot of people, there's something missing. It's not just living for the money and living for the status or fame or, or the toys or anything else. It makes us ask the question, what is the goal of this? You know, if it is happiness, if it is contentment or maybe fulfillment, how do I get there and how do I stay there? What is it that I need to do or to take under my own wing? 
in order to live the dream or to be fulfilled in this life. I'm going to read for you right now a psalm that was written by King David uh, thousands of years ago, of course. And it, it's in the Bible. It's Psalm 16. And I, would, I want you to kind of meditate on this one throughout the week, if you will. I think there's a tremendous amount in this psalm that, that tells us a lot about living and about our relationship with God. And I think it's an important one to, to kind of look at. So here's Psalm 16, and this is what it says. It says, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You are my Lord, and apart from you I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, They are the noble ones in whom is all of my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. And I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have, have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him, my eyes will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. And my body will also rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. Nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You know, life is tough. Some days we wake up and we're struggling with the rent or the kids and, or we're struggling in school or work or whatever. I think part of the answer to living the good life or living the life that God has always intended us to live is to look at things from the perspective that King David uh, illustrates here in this particular psalm. There's, there's really three main truths that I find in this psalm that I'd like to talk to you about a little bit today. The first one of those is that authentic joy and true happiness are found in God's presence. You know, when you think about it, you know, the, the God that has created all things wants to be with them wants to be with me. He wants to be with you. He wants to be with all of us. And, you know, there's a tremendous amount of joy, David tells us, that is there in the presence of God and in that relationship. And that overflows into the way the rest of our life plays out. There was a study that was done at the McLean Hospital in uh, Beaumont, Massachusetts, and what they found was that belief in God uh, had a direct association with better treatment outcomes for patients. They followed 159 different individuals over a course of a year, and they examined the relationship that these individuals had with God and in their belief and their trust in who God is. And then they also compared that to their 
their expectations of what the treatments were supposed to do for him. The actual treatment outcome. The individuals that did not have faith in God, did not have a relationship with God, in this particular study, were twice, they were twice as likely not to respond to the treatments as well as those that had faith in a relationship with God. Living the dream and experiencing true joy and contentment simply found in a relationship with God. The other truth that I see in this particular psalm of David is that trusting God with your future brings true joy and peace. It seems strange to me to find joy in trusting somebody else because I'm a control freak. I like to do things on my own. I like to understand them. I like to plan them out. I like to make sure I know where I'm going and where I'm headed, and I get joy and contentment out of that. But David is reminding us here that true joy and contentment, something that you can't achieve on your own, is found in that relationship with God if you only accept it. You know, I've learned that the Bible teaches us, and David teaches us in this psalm, that the promise that joy has to make logical sense is not there. The joy that God gives, we won't always understand it. We won't understand it now. We'll understand it when God delivers that joy to each one of our hearts, but you know, sometimes things just don't make sense, and yet we're still called to trust in him and to receive the joy of knowing that God is in control and that God is watching out for us and that God has a, a plan for all of the things that we're experiencing and going through in life. It's all under his control and direction. And we need to accept that so that we can be filled with joy because God is in control. Psalm 126 says this, those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. You know, I, I like that one especially because it reminds me that, you know, things can go from one extreme to the other. You know, we're living this life that can be horrific sometimes. And yet God says, you know what, even in the midst of those, you can be joyful because I have everything under control. We just got to trust. The third truth that I see in this particular psalm of David is joy is a gift from God that really radiates to others when, when we allow it to. I think everybody here can, can attest to the fact that your attitude sometimes really sets the stage for how a, you know, an interaction or a meeting or you know, interacting with a group of friends or family or whatever, it, how it's going to go. If you go in there to a situation and you're all like, ho-hum, poor me, you know, everything's bad, everything's negative, and, you know, life stinks, and that's the attitude that everybody is going to adopt. But if you go into something, even if it's a, a difficult time, and say, you know, I know that things are hard right now, but I can trust in God. And because I can trust in God, I'm going to look at this and experience this with the attitude of joy, because God's in control. 
He knows my pain. He knows my suffering. He knows my needs. He knows everything there there is to know. And I don't have to worry about it because he knows the prayer of my heart is to is to maybe get through this. And God, I know, will be faithful and lead me through this. See, that's the type of thing that allows us to experience the good life or the live in the dream, so to speak, regardless of what's going on in the world around. Friends, thank you for joining me today, and I just pray and that you will continue to experience the grace of God throughout your life. Thanks, and God bless. And don't forget, join me next Sunday at 9. Take care. Tough Questions for God is a teaching ministry of the Rosebush United Methodist Church, where we challenge our faith with some of the most difficult issues. Tough Questions for God is available on Facebook Live Sundays at 11.30 a.m. or go on our website at toughquestionsforgod.org and just follow the links on the homepage for YouTube or via podcast. Thanks for joining and don't forget to like and share. God bless.